Did you ever wonder how some of the greatest people today become who they are? Most everyone has experienced that turning point in their life. It's these moments that forever changed who they were into whom they become. Today on The Moment with Chris Epting, you'll hear from these people and hopefully be inspired to find your own life-changing moment. Now, here is your host, Chris Epting. Hey there, and thank you for joining me again on The Moment. You know, it's funny. I come on here every Thursday and talk to people about moments in their lives where things happen. I'm having a moment like right this second. It's that moment where you've got a guest lined up and you can't track down that guest. So the guest is Anson Williams, of course, from uh, from Happy Days and uh, a lot of uh, directorial projects and things like that. As I'm talking here, uh, the uh, my able able-bodied assistant and engineer Aaron is going to try and track him down I'm not sure what's going on but uh, but in the meantime so so should we be able to to track down Mr. Williams we'll fly him in here and get our conversation going I'm really anxious to talk to him I think he certainly has a ton of great moments and uh, we'll try and bring those to you but you know in the meantime first of all I want to thank everybody for checking out last week's show we had I think our biggest numbers yet my interview uh, conversation with Leif Garrett, former teen idol uh, Leif Garrett, former teen idol, current author. Leif, Leif and I announced last week our the memoir we're co-writing together about his life called Idle Truth, which is now available for pre-order on Amazon.com. And you can hear our interview if you missed it, of course. You can listen to it here on Voice America, and uh, you can also check it out on Spotify and and iTunes things, but uh, we had a really good conversation, super excited about the book, and okay, so I just got word that Anson Williams is here, is in the house, so I'll get him on here in a second. Anson Williams, um, again, as you probably know, uh, is is part of pop culture fabric. I mean, he is somebody who uh, a lot of us grew up with in the 70s, not just on Happy Days, but after the show ended, Anson went on to direct a lot of television. So he was still affecting pop culture that way. He has a lot of great things to talk about. And I always love catching up with somebody who was such a, a again, a, f- a firm part of our, our growth. For all of us who grew up in the 70s, there are just certain iconic people that we, we latched on to and always feel so fondly about. Anson Williams is certainly one of those people. Anson, are you there? I am here. I'm so sorry. I, I misplaced my phone. I couldn't find it. <laughs> no problem. I do that once in a while, and I finally, my son got me an iWatch, which can actually locate the phone, and that's all I use the watch for, is to track the phone. So <laughs> for what smart. it's worth, uh, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks so much. No problem. And so just saying here, you know, in terms of moments from your life, when you think back, we'll start in the 70s. uh, You know, I was saying that you're one of those people that for those of us that grew up in the 70s, you just became so familiar and so iconic. Back when television meant, I think it was a lot less fragmented, obviously. So there were shows that we really, whether it was Happy Days or the Brady Bunch, there were certain shows that culturally we just absorbed into our system and we never really get them out of our system. Well, what are a couple of moments to start from back then uh, that you remember as a young actor. I mean, one that I read about that I was hoping you could discuss was the audition, the initial audition for Love American Style, which ev- eventually right. morphed into that. But but you had an issue getting to the audition. Is that right? A huge issue. I mean, that was actually the year was, gosh, 1972. 74? Oh, 72. There, there were two, there were, 1972, there were two pilots for Happy Days. The right. first one didn't sell, and we shot that in 1972. So I, I, it was just you know, a typical audition call. And you know, back then, there weren't cell phones, texting, nothing like that. There were just pay phones. And I was in my old car, and it was a, just a bad, bad day of, of rain. And it just stopped. So um, there I was. I can't get to this audition. It's pouring rain. I walk like half a mile to a payphone. Finally get the <laughs> auto club. Two hours later, they show up. I look like a drowned rat. And then you know, I thought, well, I can't go to this audition anymore. It's, it's hours. You know, I'm hours late. Something inside, something inside said, go, just go. And I did. So I, I drove my car to uh, Paramount Studios. Uh, my name was still on the list, and I go into uh, Millie Gussie's office, who was uh, head of television casting at the time, and, and I still look like a drowned rat. 
<laughs> I get to the receptionist. I truly, I get to the receptionist. I said, I, I think I'm almost four hours late, but um, <laughs> this happened, that happened. And, uh, and I hear this voice from, from an office uh, a little bit away. Is that Anson Williams? He's lucky we didn't cast Potsy. It's <laughs> Millie Gussie's voice. And I look at the receptionist, I, and I said, what's a Potsy? Um, anyway, I go into Millie Gussie's office, and uh, she's pretty much, a, you know, just a no-baloney person. I read. She goes, stay here. She goes in another office, and I hear her on the phone, I don't care if you're, like, in wardrobe. He's perfect. Get down here. He's perfect. So, and then I wait outside our office again, and this tired guy comes walking in, Gary Marshall, sits down. I go back in. I read. And the only thing Gary wanted to know was if I played softball, baseball. <laughs> I think he was more concerned about putting together a good softball team. <laughs> I said, yeah, I was, I was pretty good. I was pretty good. He goes, good to know. Just wait outside. Then I wait outside. Then Ron Howard comes in. Now I read with Ron Howard. Then I wait outside. Then I wait outside. He goes back to wardrobe uh, uh, fittings. And then I wait for a long time. Now I'm getting upset because they're wasting my time. You know? <laughs> and all these people in suits come in. It's the network. I didn't even know what the network was. Next thing I know, Ron comes back. Now we're reading in front of the network. Then at the end of all that, they say, thank you. I'm like, thank you? Thank you? And now I'm upset. I'm driving home. All the, the whole day's ruined. So should have never gone to the audition. Back then, they didn't have, you know, again, no cell phones or anything. Right, right, or, right. or answer, really answering machines. I'm getting home. I get home, and the phone's ringing. And it's my agent telling me that I got the part. And that I, 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 uh, I rehearsals the next morning, wardrobe fitting, and then we film the day after. And oh that was it. We and we uh, and it was called it was called uh, um, a new tel- the new television in town, a new family in town, new television in town. I forgot. Right, right, right. Where they American get the first style. television set on the on the block or whatever. Right. But it was a totally different show. Very much softer, more like Summer Forty Two. No Fonzie character, no Ralphie character. Mr. C was was played by Harold Gould. Marion was right. in it. Different Johnny. Marion and Ron and I were the only originals. Right. right. And they they said, for sure this is going to sell. For sure this is going to sell. It didn't sell. <laughs> so uh, I went back to uh, playing all the concerned boyfriend parts. You know, scratching out a living. And um, after American Graffiti came out that year, and Greece um, was a success on Broadway, they decided to do another pilot. And that's the one that sold, but that one was more like graffiti, had Henry in it, had Donnie in it. It was a totally different show, had Tom Bosley, Aaron Moran, and that one, that one, that was the magic. And you didn't have to obviously reread for that. You were already in. No, it was horrible. That's what I, I was doing. Lisa Bright and Dark with Kay Lenz in San Francisco, or actually Tip, uh, Marin County. Uh-huh. And, um got a call from my agent they're going to do another pilot i go great when are we shooting they said you know they said that you know they think you and ron might be too old so they want you to screen test oh no we had to go back (laughs) and go against and and you know something i will not many people know this but you know i made john travolta's career you know that no no i did not know that tell us 100 percent me oh yeah they auditioned him for potsy and i got the part i saved his career are you kidding? I never heard that. You know, so that's got to be just, from, that's, that's maybe a year before Welcome Back, Cotter, then. That's right around the same time. Right. Well, he was on the ABC list. He was in Greece, and he played kind of the right. uh, Shutska character. So they brought, he wasn't the John Travolta. Mary Lou Henner told me this story. I didn't even know it. And, um, yeah, so I got the part, saved his career. So he could go on <laughs> Cotter. You know, and become a hot heartthrob. You know, and so what but, was it no, like? For, time, we, what? Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, but this time we auditioned with at least twenty five, thirty people screen testing. So it was a whole it was a whole deal to get the part again that we created. 
but then you get it. The show, the show is a is a hit. You know, pretty quickly. How does your life change? And so once that's on the air, look, you've been in a lot of things up until that point, but nothing on this scale yeah. where it's a weekly show and people you're really yeah. going into millions of people's homes on a regular basis. What is it like for you at a personal level when that kicks in? Is it harder for you to go out? Is it are people coming out of the woodwork? How does your personal life change when a show becomes a hit like that? It was. It wasn't like today. Today, I would hate to have that kind of notoriety today, because it's just it's it's just a whole new world today with the paparazzi and internet and all this kind right. of stuff. Back then, I mean, it, I mean, it was quite an education because there were only three networks. Right. And these days, if a show gets three million views, it's a big deal, right? It's a right. big deal. We got sixty million a week. You know. <laughs> We had 60 million. We had over a fourth of the country watching us every week, not including syndication every day. Incredible. So millions and I mean, you could not get more recognition and more and, and more popularity. But one thing about the, the paparazzi back then, they wouldn't follow you to your house. They, 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 they didn't cross the line. So, you know, if you went to where they were, that's your problem. But but it was a little bit more civilized and. Um, but still, I couldn't go to Disneyland. I couldn't go to any place that, that, that was a big tourist attraction. It was, it was, that was crazy. I could go, but I lived in an area that was kind of low-key, and really I could go anywhere in my area, and no one would bug you. The other thing is, Gary Marshall was such a great, great boss and mentor. He inspired us to not get involved in ego, not get involved in all that baloney, but spend more time learning the entertainment business, uh, wearing many different hats. So we spent a lot of our extra time, um, you know, educating ourselves, going to the writing sessions. I, as a director, I'd, I'd shadow Polanski doing Chinatown on the back lot. I'd shadow John Schlesinger doing Dave the Locust. I'd watch all the Grease numbers being filmed. I mean, wow. so we used, we used it productively. So, uh, but yeah, it was, it, it was quite an experience. But because of the grounding of Gary, we never... We were in it. No, we were in it, like, and we wanted to do great, but we weren't of it. It wasn't who we were. You know, we could, like, literally step out of that celebrity. But it was quite an education as far as... And once you see everything that's supposed to be fantastic, what everyone dreams of, once you see what it is, it really makes you appreciate that tree in your backyard a lot more. I found wow. myself going way back to the basics of living, the stuff that counts. Interesting. It's uh, that show too. I think what was unique about it was that the, all of the characters you, you each had. I would guess your own audience. You, you know, you know Henry's um, breakout notwithstanding, the characters were so Ooh. well drawn that you had your own. I would bet your own fan base because you were all so different and all appealed to different parts of people's personalities. Yeah. Also, um, Gary allowed a lot of entrepreneurship to happen. I think that's one reason. I went into uh, not only show business, but commerce, too. You know, I've been uh-huh. an entrepreneur for years. And, um, but he allowed, I, I made the suggestion of putting a band on the show and uh, having me sing. Really? Because that was yours? That was that you? Then, oh, oh, totally me. Wow. And, I, well, the re- and it, was all, it was very practical. We weren't making that kind of money on the show like we do today. Uh-huh. And, you know, I started in musical theater and all this. So I thought, well, if I could sing on the show, I could get a, maybe get a record contract like David Cassidy, who I knew. How smart. And then I could get booked for concerts and actually make a living. <laughs> so one morning, one morning uh, early, I went to Gary and, and he, uh, to talk to him, and he said, he's walking around the lot. He's walking somewhere. He says, I don't, talk to me later. I said, it'll only take a minute. He said, <laughs> okay, you got a minute. So I gave him an elevator pitch. You got girls on the show. You got cars on the show. You need a band in Arnold's. I sing. You sing, I sing. A band, hmm, stop. I used to be a drummer. Yeah, a band. All of a sudden, I, I hit something. He went, I like that. I go, you like that? I like that. He said, are you good? I go, I'm pretty good. He goes, okay. I'm going to add a song to, to um, one of the segments coming up. Uh, I think that, yeah, go talk to Bobby. Pick a song. Me? Yeah, you pick it. I'm walking away, and then I hear, but you're singing to a bulldog. Like Elvis. <laughs> And I go, what? You're singing to a bulldog. Elvis, if Elvis can do what you can do it, he says, besides, if you're good, I'll get laughs. If you're bad, I'll get laughs. You're singing to a bulldog. And there I was, first time on national television singing to a bulldog. I'm all shook up. 
<laughs> and so and, we got to take a quick break. That's a great moment. That's an amazing moment. We'll be back in a minute with uh, my, my great special guest, Anson Williams, talking about all kinds of things today on The Moment. I'm Chris Epting. Thank you for tuning in. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com All around the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus, creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel Carson, in The Sea Around Us, said, All at last, return to the sea, to Oceanus, the ocean river, like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to The Moment with Chris Epting. If you have a question or comment about our show, please send an email to Chris at ChrisEpting.com. That's Chris at ChrisEpting.com. Now, back to The Moment. Thank you for coming back on The Moment. I'm Chris Epting with my special guest today, Anson Williams. Anson, uh, you were just telling us a, a wonderful moment about your life on Happy Days where you're the one that introduced the idea of having uh, musical segments within the episodes. You were a singer. You were a musician. Um, you very shrewdly thought that was a way to parlay uh, stuff on the television show into a singing career. You pitch Gary Marshall on the lot. He loves it. And next thing we know, you're singing all shook up to a dog in front of for 60 million people around the country. Yeah, oh yeah, there I was. And what, but what happened was Gary liked it, so I, got, I sang probably on every third show. I was able to pick my music, so I actually had a responsibility. And because of that, I got signed to the same record label as David Cassidy. Wow. And uh, I, started, I, got rec- I started getting booked for concerts all over the country and state fairs and all this. It lasted for a decade. And I was able to make 30 times more off the show than on the show. Plus, had a great time, found a whole other platform, a whole other part of the character, a whole other, a whole other career for a long time. And that, yeah, so I tell people out there, don't, no matter where you are, see what you have, not what you don't have. There's plenty of negatives, but there's always a positive. There's always, there's, there's opportunity there if you just open your mind and look for it. So look for the positives. Look for the way to make something work. You know, stop looking at the negative. I think that's I a great lesson. Just, I could have yeah, I could have easily just sat on happy days and, and complained about, well, I'm not getting enough money, and oh. Instead, I found opportunity on, right yeah. in front of me. And Gary Marshall appreciated it. He really appreciated that. He well, said, Anson, you didn't complain. You found, it didn't complain. You found opportunity. I'm, it's very impressive. You're not you know what's amazing, though? You're saying this here on a day where all the news comes out about um, Jesse Smollett allegedly staging this thing to make more money on a show. Yeah. Yet you did it in a resourceful, intelligent way, and this is sort of what it's come to. I think it's an amazing commentary some 40-odd years later you know, of how things work. And offline, too, and we were just chatting for a minute, Anson, I mentioned to you a McDonald's commercial back around 1970-71. Right. It really is one of the most iconic commercials in history of the all the counter guys doing the song and dance. You're a part mm-hmm. of that as well. How how you know Howie Moore show, shows directed it, and uh, I almost didn't. Get, I needed. I was that commercial turned my life around. I was. It, it brought me full time into show business because it went on the air right away, and it was enough to pay the rent and all that. But Howie Moore said, "You look too young, and we need a bass voice." I said, "You got it. You grab a bucket and mop." Oh my God! So I got hired to do it, and went on. It became this iconic commercial they played all the time. And it was the first time they, 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 the You Deserve a Break Today song was on television. 
Very right, John Amos, Bob Ridgely. What a, what a cast that was, and yourself. It was amazing. Oh, I yeah. Mean, oh, yeah. And, and, you know, then they actually played it 20 years later. They, they, we did another contract. They, they, they did a retro version. They, they put it on again as a retro kind of campaign and went on the air again 20 years later. Wow. Well, so you've got you get these amazing life moments, and there are also some things you talk about. Um, I was reading about alert drops. That's another great, yeah. great, interesting story moment in itself. Why don't you describe that? Your connection, you know, what alert drops are, and and why it why it's so important for uh, for for us culturally oh. today and saving lives. Well, it is. You know, my my second cousin, but I call him Uncle, ever since I was born, was Dr. Henry Heimlich, who created the Heimlich maneuver. Mm-hmm. Which there actually is another story, which I don't have time to tell. If it wasn't for Happy Days, I don't, I don't know uh, if the Heimlich maneuver would have gone on t- national television for the first time. It actually, Happy Days was actually part of it. That's another story. Oh my but God! <laughs> Henry, but Henry has been a, been a. Um, I, he was just very close to me for years and years. He passed away a couple years ago. Right. But years ago, I was directing, and uh, an exhausting day. Coming home, I fell asleep at the wheel, almost killed myself. And back then, Henry. Who was, a, who was an expert on sensory connection with the body, told me to bite into lemons and how the, um, the uh, citric acid with the sour lemon hits the lingual nerve on top of your tongue, mm-hmm. and your automatic reflex reaction of the body is adrenaline. You're up, nothing in your system, your body waking your body. Just like going to the, to the doctor and using a little rubber mallet for your reflexes, right, right, the right. lingual nerve on top of your tongue, the reflex reaction is adrenaline. You're up, you're alert, instantly, nothing in your system, nothing to hurt you. No coffee, no, years, ca- no hardcore caffeine, nothing, just the lemon. No, and that stuff, well, none of that works, and that's why it, you know, drowsy driving uh, is second to guns in terms of, of the, um, the deaths and tragedies in this country. There's more drowsy driving deaths and tragedies and drunk driving and mm-hmm. medicated driving combined. It's catastrophic. Very catastrophic. Over 168 million drivers, drowsy drivers a year, and probably more, more than half the population. Um, but, um, but anyway, through the years, I became an entrepreneur creating products. And then, um, about three years ago, I had the idea. Once I read all the information on drowsy driving, I thought we can cure this. I called Hank. I said, Hey, what if we have a a spray drop and just put the right amount of citric acid, sour lemon in the spray drop and just spray it on top of your tongue when you feel tired. He goes, Oh my God, promise me you'll do it (laughs) because Dr. Heimick lived to save lives. He said, he said, you have to do this. It will save millions of more lives in the maneuver. Get it done. And that was my inspiration. So we got it done. We created Alert Drops, which has already saved so many tra- tragedies from happening. Uh, we're helping students who are studying all night. Uh, they're not going to the hospital because they're drinking too much coffee or all this crap that they put in their system to try to stay awake. Um, right. uh, construction sites are using Alert Drops. I mean, we are helping so many people because of Dr. Heimlich's brilliance and his knowledge. It's very old well, that's science. That's amazing. And if, people, and if people go to alert, alertdrops.com, um, they'll get, it's very old science. So they'll read all about it. It's very reasonable. One spray bottle lasts over a month and maybe more. And uh, more importantly, your, your husbands are going to come home. Your kids are going to come home. You're not going to have that, that phone call mm-hmm. of an unnecessary tragedy. And believe me, most of these people who are dying or hurt aren't the drowsy drivers. It's the innocent people the drowsy drivers hitting. And we so, all anyway, know it's, it's alert drops. We all know that feeling when you're sort of blinking the sleep out of your eyes, right? Where you start playing that game with yourself where I'll close my eyes for a split second just to to yeah. right oh, to yeah. rest the eyes. You know, yeah. it's, it's no that, this, I mean it's not funny. This it's it's this is major I mean, it is a big problem no one talks about. And and we're, we're you know, because of Dr. Heimlich, we're doing something about it. We're going to stop it. Well, good Alert for you, man. Com. We've, been honored, we've been honored by the uh, U.S. Congress. We've been honored by the California State Senate, City of L.A. That's, that's baloney. What matters is it really is just a, it's just a better scooter. It's something that's been around forever. No one knew. Now everyone knows. Safe, natural way of getting yourself home safely, of having the alertness you need in your job, and not screwing up your body. And it's alertdrops.com. Alertdrops.com. And everything, you know, I've done in terms of products that I've created through the years, there has to be a, 
you talked about, you know, you talked about that situation as far as uh, finding opportunity and some people creating bad things for their, for sure. their own self-involvement, as you talked about. Well, that happens in products, too. People put out fake products and whatever, try to manipulate people. I pride myself on doing things that, that better people's lives, period. And another one we have going right now, I mean, it's not as, I mean, it's more fun. It's fun. It sounds kind of light, and it is, but it's a major, major help for people's lives monetarily. We created BogoList, B-O-G-O, buy one, get one, BogoList.com, and it's very simple. Um, BOGO is the, is the number one sales promotion platform in the United States. Buy one, get one. And there's not been one place you can go to to find all those best deals everywhere you shop in one place. So we created BOGOlist.com. And you, before you buy anything, go there, check it all out. Because you're going you're gonna to get double for the, same, for the same amount of money and help your life, have fun, win the lottery every day. And what we also have on BOGOlist.com is called Gab, good as BOGO. So while you're there, we also put together every week the best, most amazing sales you can get in every area of your life, from food to travel to dining to, to, uh, to clothing to housewares to whatever. It's all there, 40% off, 60% off, sent off. So you go to BOGOlist.com, double what, you know, double what you get for your money, and also find every great deal that week on the Internet, all in one place, very convenient, takes you right to the store where you can buy it. And uh, we're really proud of it because it's only been up a week or two, and already, you know, it's just become a great, a great um, asset to so many people's, uh, you know, homes and families because, get, you know, especially with the tight dollar. I was uh, checking it out before getting a lot more for their money. It looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. Do you see it? Yeah, it, it, and it's fun. It's like, honestly, I, it's like winning the lottery. You go, oh, my God. I'm always, well, every week when we're putting together, when we're putting together all, all the deals, I get excited. It's so much well, fun. Well, you know, it's funny. My, my wife has always been, she's a very good coupon shopper. You know, she is one of these right. people that knows, that can come back and say, well, hey, I saved 400 bucks at, or whatever, and has the patience to do it. But I think what you're doing, you know, using the internet in this way, it, it's kind of a fun way to sort of turbocharge that mentality of letting people know that, yeah, you can, you can save lots and it doesn't take a lot of time and it's a fun way to shop. Look, most people are shopping online anyhow. Why not? you know, maximize yeah. savings opportunities like and, that. And, and you don't buy on our site. All we do, we're billboards. We, we take you to where you're supposed to go. Right, right. You know, and wherever no, that it's is. Very and shrewd. it's fun. It's a lot of fun. And it's a lot of fun. And, um, and you know, we, we were very, you know, I learned, there again, entrepreneurially, I didn't know much about all that. I learned it all. And you know, it's funny. Like the it's site seen- you're looking at, the site you're looking at, my business partner and I, we did that all. There wasn't an outside company. Wow. We did that all and figured it's, out, and we, we paid, the only outside company, we paid for an algorithm to be created mm-hmm. so we can, get all the, we can get all the BOGOs in and then pick the best ones, and, uh, and we'll expand from that. And then people can subscribe. It's free if you want to, and we'll send you emails of, like, fantastic BOGOs every week. Oh, that is you know? great. So it's fun. It's, it's, no, one's, no one's done it, and, you know, alert drops saves lives, and BOGO uh, Improves improves your life in terms of getting more for your buck and, and saves money. I'm saying if you're look if you're save, busy saving lives and saving money, those are two good things that people care about. So. That's true. That's hard true. to go wrong but there. You know, but, what I, but hopefully it inspires people out there. I just you know you can be so diversified in life. If you have an idea and a push and a push and a feeling, do not limit yourself. Do not don't let don't don't let naysayers stop you. Right. You know, have the strength to go forward. Don't listen to those voices. Go, we're not accidents on this earth. We all have a place. If mm-hmm. you feel it, move forward with it. You'll make it. You'll do it. It's hard work. But don't, don't let people stop you. Don't, don't see, see what is, not what isn't. You know, you, know, you obviously move have... Forward. You have a very entrepreneurial spirit and, and belief system, but it, all, so it also feels like what you said about Gary Marshall encouraging you to, encouraging all of you to sort of diversify your interests and really spend time. What a great combination to take your, your natural passion with someone like that who could, you know, on set allow you to look at things, develop things, directorial skills and all that. I would think someone oh, yeah. like that was a really great, he really seemed like he maybe freed you up. To uh, to believe in yourself and go explore a lot of these things. 
He did. Oh, yeah, Gary. See, that's what happened is it was much more than a television show. And when people ask me, oh, what are your best moments? Well, most of the best moments really aren't on the show. They're because of the show. You know, we had a softball team. We went all over the world playing ball, charity games. Those moments are incredible. Um, So many opportunities came up because of Gary's selflessness and help. Uh, And Ron Howard was a big influence. Ron gave me a lot of confidence, you know, early on. Because, you know, we, we did a lot of shows, television shows together for a while where he directed and I produced and co-created. Uh-huh. Um, so all, all, the, all that was just an amazing, positive experience to move forward and to take advantage of where you are, what you have. Again, as cliche as it sounds, see what you have, not what you don't have. Really. Right. It's, um, you know, you just got to, you know, it's, it's just rearranging your thinking. And if you see it, if you see it and you feel it, it'll happen. Do you speak to young actors and performers today, Anson, as a, in a motivational capacity ever? It seems like you'd be very good at that with uh, young people. Well, I do. In fact, as a director, you know, I directed consistently from 1985 till a few years ago. The last one I directed regularly uh, was Secret Life of the American Teenager. I did, right. I did a third of them. Uh, and now mostly producing and writing, not so much directing uh, segments. But right. anytime. I had a young cast, and and you know, and I, you know, I used to direct Nine Hundred Two One Zero and all these other shows, and Lizzie McGuire, well, directed everything, and Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and I would do all. But I'd all, yeah. And if I saw, you know, myself there, you know, when I was that age, I absolutely it was a great opportunity to inspire these young actors all the time, and uh, I feel good about that. Well, I again, do think, you bring I do such think a positive. I, I Gary, yeah, you have such a positive attitude about how to improve quality of life. And I would think that, you know, especially today, I mean, acting, I mean, how do you think it's changed from when you started, what an actor is up against? A young actor in Hollywood um, compared to what it was like in the early 70s, it's kind of a different game. How do you compare the two eras today? It's the same process. Um, it's just, there's a lot more noise. Back, back, when I, back in my day, we, we call it white face, you know, you're, you're born to perform and, and it's, and you, and you do the hard work it takes to make it. I mean, it, you know, you just don't act. It's a craft and there's a lot of preparation and there's, and, and just a lot of work that goes into being the best you can be. Yeah. You need some innate talent, but you need to really work to be able to perfect yourself today. Um, it seems to be a, a too many, a lot less on talent and more on a little personality and a look. Um, and I think, and the other thing today, I think it's harder to last today. I think it's so fast food, a lot of the programming that you'll get something and then it's gone after a year. And I think it's much more difficult. I just think it's much more difficult to continue a career or even be, have the inspiration to be able to, um, educate yourself, uh, to be able to wear other hats in the entertainment industry because you, you got to, you have to be more than an actor these days. You have to be able to wear quite a few hats in order to survive. I just don't know if that, if, if, if that platform's there, um, so readily as it was when I was, you know, doing happy days. I mean, there's not that many Gary Marshalls around that, that take that, that, that amount of time, um, and use their working place for us, Paramount studios, literally as a college. Um, he literally, it was like, it was our school for all, all areas of entertainment. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I, I would have to say, I guess it was much simpler and more tactile back then. Yeah. And, and again, I mean, you had no idea how long that show was going to go on once it started. It, it really became its own juggernaut. I mean, very few shows mm-hmm. enjoy the kind of lifespan and, and, you know, character evolutions that yours did, you, you know, at some point they had to start making sense of where you were all going to go because you, when you start out as kind of a quote unquote young person in a show, right, they've got to <laughs> think about, okay, once you're out of college, whatever happens, they've got to make you grow up to some degree too. Yeah. Well, you know, but we were on for 10 and a half years. Wow. And by the time the show ended, we, we had all branched out quite a bit. So we were all pretty secure in, in moving to other areas uh, by the end of that show, and that was because of Gary. So, and the thing is, even the show ended, the, fr- the friendships didn't. We've been friends 
we've been friends since 1974, and we're still friends. Um, Don Most lives like 20 minutes from me. Henry, I, I talk to all the time. Uh, Ron, when he's, we just had lunch together maybe uh, six weeks ago when he's out here in California. I mean, Marianne, I, you know, we were in New York together. Um, we see each other. So it's, it's, quite, it's quite a rare uh, group to have you know, a friendship off a television show for that many decades. And so we've got to take one more break. Are you available for a couple of more minutes to wrap up when we come back? Sure. All right, hang on one sec. We're going to take a quick break. I'm Chris Septing. This is the moment with the the very interesting Anson Williams, who's got his hands in so many interesting pies. Wonderful career he's sharing with us. Anson, thank you. We'll be back in just a minute. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. are listening to The Moment with Chris Epting. If you have a question or comment about our show, please send an email to Chris at chrisepting.com. That's chris at chrisepting.com. Now, back to The Moment. Thank you for rejoining me. I'm Chris Epting with my special guest today, Anson Williams. We are just having a fantastic time listening to Anson tell us stories. And offline here during the commercial, I was saying, you know, we we're earlier discussing alert drops, which is a, a product Anson created to stay awake, to, to help curb the, uh, you know, the tragic numbers involved with um, drowsy driving. And I was saying that you can literally, you play that game with yourself and you can close your eyes and in one second be asleep. And you know when you're blinking, yep. you kind of think you see things in the road, but we all try and power through and... You know, again, I, I told you offline, and I'm going to check those out because as someone who does drive a lot, who likes driving late at night, but doesn't like those effects, it uh, it sounds really, really worth the while. Oh, it's very, it's important. There's another thing called micro sleeping, and that means your eyes are open and you're asleep. Aren't there times when you're driving? Yes. Yeah. I've never heard you that don't term. know how you got there. I know there. exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, you're sleeping, you don't, wow, the offering, how did I get here? You don't even remember. It's like a blackout. You can't recount, yeah, you can't recount like the previous 20 seconds or something. Right. That's micro sleep. Yeah. So unavoidable. And so you were saying, you were saying. Say it again. Oh, it'll stop all that. It will wait, you know, again, it's, it's, it's your body waking your own body. It'll be, and it's instant. It's not 20 minutes. Like people who take caffeine. It takes 20 minutes to take effect, and then you need too much of it. And well, then it's like, or, or the energy drinks, right, or the energy drinks oh, where it's like, it, it, rever- it pushes you to the other side of the spectrum where you're, you're too awake, you know, too manic. <laughs> well, not uh, even that, yeah, it's, it, it, it's phony products, they're phony, and they'll kill you. <laughs> Anson, you, know, you, you were saying coming out, going into the break that you... You still have got your relationships with everybody from, from Happy Days, of course. And um, that's, I would think that's one of the best byproducts of a show like that are the, re- the ongoing relationships, the friendships that you've got. Um, because you, it's like you're all, you know, to have all gone through that together, only they know what it was like. Those are your frames of reference um, for people that, that understood what it was like to be that popular to that degree in an era where that kind of fame could exist, where, again, it's not fragmented like today. This was something everybody understood. Yes, yes, yes. 
It was, uh, yeah, it's an experience that uh, very, you know, we were fortunate to have. And, uh, and, uh, but I, I actually think it, it made us all better people, too. You know, it really it made us better people because of the opportunity um, to grow so much, you know. And, and when you have that fortunate opportunity to have these experiences, it's really important to pay back, you know. Yeah. Pay back to, 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 to kind of at least, you know, bring that experience to, to, to other people, you know, and maybe, uh, maybe be able to comfort or direct, you know, their lives a little bit. Also, it sounds like, you know, when you were going off, what you mentioned kind of, you know, just on the side of the directors you were sort of shadowing during uh, yeah. during Happiness, that's pretty incredible who you were with and what you were watching get shot. I mean, that's... <laughs> You know, yeah. I know, I know. Roman Polanski, Chinatown, such so all the greatest in the world. Yeah, and they were just, I, you know, back. Yeah, oh, so I just, I would get. They, I, they say, yeah, I just hang out. I, that was my, that was my directorial college. You know, and everybody was okay and with then, that. Everybody was accepting, and it was like not a big deal. Not a big no. I'd have two hours. I'd go over and watch for a couple hours. Yeah, no, it was like totally open. For me, well, you know, to be, and then, and then I watched Ron Howard direct a lot because, you know, we did projects together and he was, a, he was a huge uh, inspiration. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, again, we, we, you know, instead of going off partying or, you know, whatever, you know, we used that lot as a college and we took Gary, we took Gary Marsh, the opportunity Gary gave us to use, to use, to use, to use our time constructively. And, uh, and that I, just in such, you know, I just have so much, uh, you know, gratitude for that. Well, it's a, you must have been very disciplined going in, though. What do you attribute? Because, again, a lot of people in your situation at that point could have easily gone off the rails, and plenty of them did with that kind of success. Yeah. What do you attribute it to? Was it your upbringing? Was it your – I mean, how do you go into that situation and stay so focused and so productive and so disciplined um, without succumbing to a lot of the usual temptations? Well, I, I, a lot of it is your surrounding. Um, and just so happens, you know, the cast was very grounded. Ron was the leader because everyone already knew him, you know? Right. And Ron just is an amazing human being and selfless and grounded. And everybody followed suit. And even when Henry became the number one star in the world as Fonzie, he never lost his humility. So we never, we weren't surrounded with a bunch of ego. And then we had a, a, a mentor like Gary Marshall who really talked to us and I mean, to, and really woke us up as far as fame and, and what's real and what's not real and being responsible. So I think that whole, that whole combination along with, with all of us just basically being somewhat naturally grounded, that, that combination just made it a very healthy experience for us. And, um, you know, we're very, very, just, you know, everything, you know, it, we were bigger. Everything was bigger than the whole. We just had everything we needed to have a, to use it productively. Yeah, well, true teamwork. But do you feel your upbringing too? I mean, growing up, did you feel that things were instilled in you that uh, that helped you focus or helped you sort of stay the course the way you did? Man, um, I don't. I had a, actually. I mean, I was brought up fine with food on the table. It was it was kind of an emotionally um, upsetting upbringing. Um, so I did, but, um, I, I was always lower, lower middle class, never more than, never more than the family having a hundred dollars in the bank. So I had to work since I was, I think I got my first job at 10 years old. Um, so I always worked. I always, anything I needed special, I had to earn and pay for. So I had a work ethic at a very young age and I was entrepreneurial at a very young age, figuring out ways to, to create work and, and uh, to, uh, you know, get the monies I needed for what I wanted. So maybe that had a lot to do with it, too. I had, I had a very strong work ethic and dependent on myself. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, you, you've got some, some God-given skills here that really, I mean, have, have served you well. 
And uh, again, whether you whether it's acting or directing or writing, whether it's uh, developing alert drops or BOGO list, I mean, it seems like you're always looking for ways to improve, enhance. And help people appreciate life, you know, on on a meaningful level. And I think that that right there is a, is a not just a su- successful career, but a successful life as well. Yeah. Um, do you have time for one short story? Absolutely. Uh, it's the Heimlich maneuver. Just to, I was saying how Happy Days was responsible. Oh, please, for, please, if you if you would share uh, that, that would be a great story to close on, Anson. Tell us. Yeah, because uh, it's this is it's pretty it's pretty strange. Um, Dr. Heimlich was having a hard time at the beginning getting promotion out for the Heimlich maneuver, mm-hmm. and it was because of the politics of the Red Cross, right? Which which was really unfair, and people were dying because of politics, and he could not somehow he, he was just being uh, just um, what would it be, what would it be. Uh, there was prejudice against him, mm-hmm. and uh, he was having a very hard time getting more than regional publicity for the maneuver. And he, he happened to be visiting me on the Happy Day set one day, and I had done the Murph Griffin show a couple of times before that, and someone had dropped out uh, for that night's filming, and I got a call uh, on the set from the Murph Griffin show to see if I was available to sing a song and be interviewed that night. And I said, yes. So I ran to Dr. Heimlich, Hank, I said, listen, maybe this is it. Maybe we can find Merv during rehearsal and tell him about the Heimlich maneuver, and maybe he'll put it on the television show. Henry goes, well, maybe. So we go down together uh, later that, you know, after wrapping and showering and all that, uh, we go down together to uh, the Merv Griffin show, and during the rehearsals and all that, I don't find Merv. He's in meetings. Can't get to Merv, can't get to Merv. Finally, they place Henry in the audience, you know, to watch the show, and I'm thinking, well, we tried, you know, we're not going to be able to get the Heimlich Maneuver on the show. So my turn, my turn to go, to, 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 to my turn in the spotlight, I uh, sing my song, then I walk over to sit down next to Merv to be interviewed. Well, there's, you know, there's a commercial break. So during the commercial break, I did my elevator pitch on the Heimlich Maneuver, and Merv had heard of it. Somehow he read some, some article somewhere but he, he, and all he said was, oh, that's very interesting, very interesting. And that was it. The lights come up, unbeknownst to anybody. He introduces Dr. Heimlich in the audience, brings him up on stage, and does the maneuver on Merv on <laughs> national television. <laughs> that, and, you know, I think, it, I think it was delayed a day or something back then. But anyway, the night it aired, also immediately response came in, saving lives. Three weeks later, Dr. Hahn was on the Johnny Carson show and it exploded. Oh my God. But the first time on national television was Merv Griffin's show. If it wasn't for Happy Days, it wouldn't have happened. That is absolutely incredible, Anson. Thank you true for story. sharing that. 100% that's, uh, true. Not uh, that, that's incredible. I mean, it's uh, using, using celebrity in a great way because, again, I mean, Heimlich Maneuver is. It's a household term. Yeah. I mean, it's it's literally yeah. a household term. Well, and think of the number of lives it saved. I mean, I watched my mother perform it on somebody in a restaurant forty years ago. You right. know, so. well, that's Dr. Heimlich passed away two years ago, and he's still living every day, saving lives. Yeah, no, he never those, dies because he's saving yeah, just lives. Just the word Heimlich. And, the word and, and Heimlich the, connotes, you know, right. life-saving uh, action. Yeah, and the funny thing is, back when I, no one knew what, back when I started acting, you know, my, my name was Anson William Heimlich. They go, you got to use your middle name. No one knows Heimlich. <laughs> yeah, then you're, then, yeah, then doctor, then I, it's how, who would have known? It would have been a household word, you know, 10 years later. Or so. Unbelievable. Anyway. Well, Anson, I want to thank yeah, you, man. Anyway. This has been this has been an, a thoroughly enjoyable hour. I really appreciate you taking some some extra time, A, to tell us how the Heimlich Maneuver entered the, truly entered the public consciousness as a result of Happy Days, um, but B, to also mm-hmm. talk about your, your incredible career and, and, and companies and things you're doing. You've obviously got a very full, interesting life, and it's, it's a lot of fun to hear about it. Well, th- and thank you so much for the platform to t- talk about certain things because, you know, like whether, whether it's saving money on Bogle List or alert drops, saving lives, 
we can, I can't do that alone. It needs a collaboration. Mm-hmm. I, I want to thank you for your hard work and your platform to help promote that to your fans. I really appreciate it. It's our pleasure, man. Again, I appreciate your time. I would love to do this again. I know you're you're full of stories and moments and everything else, and so maybe we can swing back again and tell people some more about this stuff. But but thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Oh, you bet. Thank you. Thank you so much, too. All righty. All right, and that was Anson Williams. What a, what a, I mean, again, the world got to know him as Potsy Weber back on Happy Days, but he's obviously done so many more things since then. I mean, I remember just in the 80s, his name would pop up on so many shows as director. I always wondered what the transition was from actor to director, and now we got to hear about the sort of college campus environment he describes on Happy Days and how he was able to learn on that show. So really fun fun show today. It's it's always interesting to talk to someone like that that you grew up with, you know, and get sort of the insight on uh, on what it was like there inside uh, inside the hurricane. So Anson Williams, thank you. I'm Chris Epting. I want to thank you for listening. Um, again, you can listen to this show on voiceamerica.com. You can listen to all the, the versions of the moment we've done here. Again, the much talked about Leif Garrett episode is up there now on Voice America. You can listen to it on iTunes and on Stitcher and on Spotify, wherever you can download uh, content, you can check it out. And this episode here, Anson Williams, will be available as well uh, later on today. So I want to thank him. I want to thank Aaron Keller, my engineer, as always, for stepping up and making all of this happen. And I uh, want to let you know that next week I have another very special guest moving back into the rock and roll world that I'm sure you'll enjoy. It's a, it's a, a great conversation we had and uh, some great stories and moments. So in the meantime, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. My name is Chris Epting. This is the moment where every week we talk to fascinating people like Anson Williams about moments in their life, when things changed, when things happened for them, and, and how it continues to affect their lives today. So thank you for joining me. I'll see you back here again next week. Thank you for taking a moment out of your busy week to join us for The Moment. Be sure to join Chris Epting for another edition next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you here next week.